0: So we're in our week three, if you've been with us or following online, of our hashtag Romans 12 series, and we've been looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 12, and just breaking down this one verse by Paul, and so I'd like to start off with that again and just read that. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn uh, with me there, Romans chapter 12. While you're turning, if you don't have a Bible, we got some over there uh, underneath the prayer board, uh, you're welcome to use one of those. And if you don't have one of your own, just take it with you. You don't have to say anything. It's just yours. Congratulations. Um, so Romans chapter 12, verse 12. If you've got this, read along with me. It says, Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let's read that again together. Be joyful in hope. Oh, you found it. Patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. So to recap a little bit where we've been if you're just joining us, our first week we looked at this first phrase, being joyful in hope. And we talked about that joy is not the same thing as happiness. Joy comes up from within. It overflows out of your heart from the Lord. Happiness is the things that happen in our circumstances, the things that happen to us, the things that are in our surroundings. And happiness and joy are two different things. And we talked about hope, how we hope for a future that God has in store for each and every one of us, a future that for those who believe in Him promises promises eternal life. What better joy than that, Right? Week two, last week, we looked at the second part of this. Be patient in affliction. And we talked about that God rarely uses mountaintop experiences to grow you and your faith. Rarely uses it. And you can look through the Old and the New Testament, and you can find and identify people of faith who are going through constant struggles. And you can identify someone that has the similar struggles as you do. Someone has walked that journey before. And you look at Job. You look at Paul. You look at the disciples and the early Christians and how they were persecuted for their beliefs. No one had it easy. Neither do we. And sometimes we have to be patient in affliction. And we have to be careful to not let the affliction that we're going through turn into self-infliction. In other words, making bad choices when we're already down. And if you're ever wondering, how did I get in this place? Choice after choice after choice after choice. It wasn't just one, but it was a multitude or many choices that got you there. So as we're being patient, waiting on the Lord, during whatever affliction is going on in your life, or has been going on in your life, or is about to go down in your life, you're going to have to be patient. We even looked at the I had a snake skin that I found in my yard here last week and we pulled it out and and learned from that. You know because the snake when it sheds its skin all the parasites go along with it. But as the snake sheds that skin, it's vulnerable. It takes days for that to happen and it has to be patient. So there's some things we could learn from that. Whatever affliction is going on, it might be it might be a hard time, a hard thing to endure. But maybe, as you're patient on the Lord, just like that new skin comes along, the parasites that have infected your life, the bad choices, maybe the the bad friends you used to have or bad habits you used to have, God can make those new as we are patient with Him. So this one, this Sunday, we're going to close this three-week series out. And it's this last phrase of this verse. And it's what? Faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. I want to start off uh, by uh, just a fun little icebreaker type of thing. I'm going to call it kids pray the darndest things. We've heard of kids say the darndest things and these didn't come from our kids down the hall. But just so you know, our kids do take prayer requests down the week or down the hall every week. And Crystal prays with them and they talk about what's going on in their life. And they have a little prayer board that they write down their joys and concerns just like we do here up on the back wall. So that's being mirrored right down the hall. And that's something I'm excited about. So I'm sure if we read some of the things that, that Crystal has received, I'm sure they'd be right along these lines. But I want to share a few of these with you. Kids pray the darndest things. And these were little things that, that kids wrote in and they gave to their Sunday school teachers. Here's the first one. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) Dear God, I went to this wedding and they were kissing right there in church. Is that okay? That was a funny one. Uh, Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my sister. I don't know how you do it. This is one of my favorites. Uh, You'll laugh when you know why. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, but without so much hair all over. It's good Picked a good day to shave, huh? Dear God, is it true my daddy won't get in heaven if he uses those golf words in the house? That was a funny one. Dear God, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel wouldn't kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works out pretty well for me and my brother. Here's the last one. Dear God, please send me a pony. I never asked for anything before. You can look it up. I love those. They get us laughing, but they should hopefully get us thinking a little bit about what it means to be faithful in prayer. So we're going to talk a lot about prayer today. I know we've been talking about the two concepts of these words, the faithful and the prayer. We're going to focus a lot on prayer. I've got a lot of things that I've been praying about, sharing with you guys. I've been having some of the components for this for months, just anxiously waiting. Not anxiously, it says don't be anxious. Patiently, patiently waiting to share some of these things with you guys today. So we're going to talk about what it means to be faithful and in prayer. And if you've got your Bibles out again, please turn with me or it'll be on screen to Philippians Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, once wasn't enough. What? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious, here it is, about anything, but in everything by what? By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now notice here, it says, Be faithful in prayer. By constant prayer and petition. And oftentimes, as we're breaking down this Romans 12, I think maybe too often we're not faithful in prayer if we're honest with ourselves. We're faithful in worry. We're pretty good at that. We're faithful in anxiety. We've got that down. We're, we're faithful in fear as a first response. Sometimes we're even just faithful in frustration. I can turn a, turn a coin just like that. I can go from zero to 60 overnight. I'm nice to you, and then what? You said that? Right? right? We're faithful in those areas. I wonder how much we're actually faithful in prayer. And I wonder that because maybe we don't understand it so much. So many of us, if we are honest with ourselves, again, we're lacking in our prayer life. I want you to give a show of hands. God's going to move in your hearts. We're lacking in our prayer life, and we know if we are. Maybe you have that kid's prayer approach. God, I asked for a pony. Where is it? Maybe you have that kid's approach, but you're 45 years old. And it's not working so well. Maybe you've never moved deeper into your faith since the moment you got saved. And you've kind of been floating, never diving deeper into what God has in store for you. Maybe, maybe you are, for some hidden reason, just uncomfortable with prayer. Like, it's kind of awkward, right? If we really get down to, to brass tacks and really thinking about it. Like, who are we talking to? And we don't want to be viewed as those crazy people who are just walking around talking to nobody. Maybe you're uncomfortable with prayer because you feel like you never get what you want. Does it work? Is God listening? You see, God is not a cosmic vending machine dispensing your desires for the right investment. He's not. Nor is He a genie that will grant you a certain number of wishes. That's not how prayer works. Here's our first big concept this morning. Prayer is not about getting more from God. Prayer is about giving God more of you. I'll say that again because that's a big one. Prayer is not about getting more from God. It's not about receiving. It's not about getting. Prayer is about giving God more of you. It's not tapping in to try and get more access to what he knows or what he has. It's about letting him have more access to who you are, to your heart, to your plans, to your desires. It's not about trying to sneak a peek at the direction of your life. Maybe if you just pray harder, maybe he'll just reveal more. Of his plan, it'll just lay out like a runway with lights on. And it's like we're trying to look maybe as we're driving through a car windshield. And maybe if I just stare hard enough, I can see through the fog. I was driving home a few years ago, back when we lived in Atlanta. And it was on Christmas Eve 9, and I finished up the Christmas Eve services where I was at at the church in Atlanta. And I got done, and I left around 8 p.m., and I drove all the way home that night here in Melbourne, Florida. I got in. My in-laws, it was probably, what, around 3.30 or something like that. It was, it was late. And I was driving through the worst fog I've ever seen in my life. And somewhere down on I-10, which is the worst highway ever, somewhere down on I-10, I'm driving through this fog, and it's so thick, I literally could not see you guys. And so I'm going maybe 20 or 30 miles an hour down I-10. And all of a sudden, whew, this blur happens at and I find myself in a flock of deer. Like, not just one, like 20 deer. And I'm just suddenly and amongst them. And I couldn't see that because the fog was so thick. And I think maybe we think about that sometimes with prayer, that maybe if I can just see through that fog, like God has intentionally dropped some veil down for us that he doesn't want us to see behind. Maybe if I just pray long and I pray hard and I say the right things and I get down on my knees and I close my eyes and I fold my hands, he will hear me and ta-da, I will be able to see you through the fog. God says, no, that's not the way prayer works. Prayer is about you getting out of the driver's seat. Forget the windshield. You need to become a passenger. Give me the keys. Let me drive. That's what prayer is about. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, that's an interesting verse, isn't it? We don't like to usually dwell on that one, because then we have to put ourselves in a category. Don't box me in, right? Because if the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective... Therefore, there's a hidden negative, right? The prayer of an unrighteous man is what? Not powerful and not effective. Take a step back from that one, right? Touch that one with a 10 foot pole. Wow. The prayer of an unrighteous man is not powerful and not effective. And it's got that hidden negative. Because if the prayer of a of a righteous man, is powerful, and is effective, that's the only other counterbalance. God says, I've already given you the tools you need to be that righteous person, to have powerful, powerful. That's a new word, you can write that down. We're just combining things, prayer and powerful. Powerful, Powerful prayers and effective prayers. You already have all the tools you need. We'll be talking about that in Luke in just a minute. Did you know that in the Gospels, there are 38 references to Jesus praying? 38 references to not just prayer, but specifically Jesus praying. So we're going to look at a few of those today, just a few, and pull some of the things out of that that we really need to apply to our prayer lives if they are going to be powerful and effective. The first concept is this. Pray before any decision, especially big ones. Pray before any decision, especially big ones. Turn with me to Luke. All these are going to be in Luke. Our first one is going to be Luke chapter six. I'll give you a minute to turn there. And as you're turning there in Luke chapter six, we're going to start in verse twelve. It's about the calling of the disciples. And often we think that the disciples were just down by the shore there at the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus was walking around. He's like, hey, you follow me. Hey, you follow me. Hey, you follow me. And he picks 12, and they follow him. That's not the complete picture. Jesus probably did that to a lot of people. How do we know that? Because there were more disciples than just the 12. Jesus, once he had called all these people to come follow him, then he selected 12. And do you know how he did it? Here's Luke, chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And this is after he has all these disciples already. And he spent the night praying to God. Spent the entire night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him. And out of them, you see that, he chose twelve. So there were more than twelve. He selected the twelve then. Simon, whom he named Peter... His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, little crazy man, crazy Simon, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Right? And list these twelve. And Jesus didn't just go, um, you, 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 no, like your hair, no, no, yes. That's not the way this went down. Jesus spent all night, all night, praying to God. And then, he selected the twelve. Now, if Jesus had to pray about that, what are we? Pray before any decision, especially, especially big ones. Here's our second one. Give thanks when you pray. Always. Never stop. Every time you pray, give thanks. Get in the habit of it. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. A few pages over Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. And this is a famous passage, but we're going to look at two key things in here. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. That's what the disciples usually wanted to do. They wanted to make the crowd someone else's problem. They're comfortable. They're happy. I'm just going to take care of my own. I'm going to pray for my needs. But them... uh, I don't know. What does Jesus say here in verse 13? He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. See, they're thinking in worldly terms about 5,000 men were there. So if it's 5,000 men, usually double to almost triple that once you add in women and children. But he said to his disciples, have them each sit down, in group, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave, what? Thanks. And he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And oftentimes when we pray, we reserve it for this type of experience, right before we eat. That's the only time, you know, it's maybe two meals a day. No one, I mean, who gets up and then prays before they pour the Rice Krispies, right? Uh, oh, I'm just, where's the coffee? Cereal? Not good morning, Lord. It's me. A lot of us say, "What? Good Lord, it's morning," you know. That's the way we take it. And so, you know, we might pray over lunch, maybe. Maybe we'll pray over dinner because the family might gather together. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Right. Amen. Yeah. Does it keep going? No. Exactly. Right. Some some prayer. Right. But Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. The disciples already had the tools they needed to be able to accomplish that feast. What they didn't do is give thanks for it. They didn't think it was enough. The third thing we can pull from Luke, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. As you turn there, here's our third concept today. Pray even when it's hard to. Pray, even when it is hard to. Luke chapter 23, verses 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, and depending on the version you're reading, it may even say Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And so they divided up his clothes by casting lots. A lot of us know the rest of the story, right? But Jesus is on the cross. He's been scourged more than we can possibly imagine and beaten and had a a giant crown of thorns pressed into his head and his blood is just dripping down all over his body. And then he's taken up, carried across the whole way up to a hill. And they're laid down on it. And bam, bam, nails driven through his hands and through his feet. And then he's hoisted up to have a slow, painful, suffocating death. And in this moment, Jesus is not crying out in pain, he's crying out for us Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing Jesus prayed he talked to God even when it was hard to and we look at the gospels and how the similarities are this Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing Jesus is praying for them and for us Pray, even when it's hard to, even when you don't feel like it, even when you've had a bad day, even when you've woken up late. Pray, even though it might put you five minutes behind, even though it might not, you might not be able to accomplish all the things that you have planned for your day, pray. Even though it might seem a little awkward, maybe your friends don't do it, pray. Even though you might be out in public, And someone could come up and you might feel judged or maybe it's just not that type of setting. Pray. Pray even when it's hard to. So what is prayer? You know, Jesus spent more time talking about what not to do in prayer than he did what to so we're going to kind of talk about that the same way. I, I'm going to talk about for a second what prayer doesn't have to be. Prayer does not have to be folded hands. It doesn't. It's not scriptural. It's something we do. Prayer does not have to be with closed eyes. does it matter to a God who is everywhere, all seeing, all knowing. Prayer does not have to be kneeling down. Now, it can be all of those things. But that's not the point. Prayer does not have to be loud or silent. Prayer does not have to be reserved for before meals, like we talked about, or for when your team needs to win that game. How many ridiculous prayers are we going to find out about when we get to heaven? Right? Because there's, te- there's people on both sides praying. Some people aren't powerful or effective. Right? Right? And there's a lot of Father Gods, you know. I, I'm sure you, you've, you've been around people who, who Father God their way into saying nothing. Father God, we just thank you, Father God, for being here, Father God. And Father God, you're our Father God, and we thank you for being our Father God. And, and Father God, we, and you could just keep going on, right? And by the ten minutes is done, you're like, what, did, what just happened? Like you entered a time warp. And it's funny, Right? It is, because we all have been in those moments with some of those people, and I'm not looking at it, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. We haven't, we haven't, we've been in those moments with some of those people, but that's exactly what Jesus said. And it's funny to us, but turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. It's right here in the Word, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking about prayer. And this is what he says. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Woo! I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to pray. Everyone ready to pray? No? Okay. I'm going to pray anyway. Right? Just to be seen. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Here's verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans. Blah, 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 blah. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Adding more words to your prayer does not make it more effective. just makes it longer and boring for some people if you're in a public space. They think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then He contrasts all of that with this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven. So give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Notice there's no for thine be the power and the glory and the kingdom forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen, right? That was a little doxology that existed in the Middle Ages. They just kind of tacked it onto everything. And for some reason, that stuck with this. Neither this or Luke 11, the two passages about the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, have any reference to that. So we can just, it's okay to end it. Notice what word Jesus didn't say. Amen? Can I get an amen? All right. And if we break down this prayer, that has a, maybe a revolutionary concept for you. I, I know it was for me. and I kind of call it a Trinity prayer. A Trinity prayer. You see, prayer is simply talking to and thanking God, right? Thanking God. It's asking Jesus to help you forgive others and for your forgiveness. And finally, it's asking the Holy Spirit's guidance in your life. And when you break down how, Je- how Jesus says to pray here, You can kind of break it out into these almost three chunks. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then the Son, our intercessor, which says in Hebrews and in Acts and four different other places, how he is interceding on our behalf, the forgiver. So Jesus, forgive my sins but also give me the strength to forgive other people. Because if I'm not going to forgive them, I'm not going to be forgiven. And if I'm not forgiven, I'm not righteous, right? And if I'm not righteous, what are my prayers? Not powerful and not effective. So if you're harboring some guilt, if you're harboring some anger, some frustration, some resentment, if you've got that chip on your shoulder from 20 years ago, you need to pray that thing out. Because it's holding you back from what God wants you to be. Finally, we have the the Holy Spirit section. And lead us. The Holy Spirit, the guider. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I've kind of got this concept of a trinity to pray. Every time you pray, try to to cover those three bases. Say, God, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for everything that you've done in my life. Because your word, the way Jesus told us to pray, is not to be asking for more, but for thankful for what I do have. It's not putting in coins in that vending machine to try to get D4, which is, oh, I'd like a new pool, dispensed, thank you God, new pool, that's what I prayed for. Maybe you want that new Corvette, Lord, if it's your will, candy apple red. Come on, really, right? Maybe I just pray long and pray hard, Yeah, no, no thankful for what we have. God, your will be done, not mine. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me because I'm not worth it. But in your eyes, I'm everything. Help me to forgive others the same way you've given me the grace that I don't deserve. And finally, Holy Spirit, I ask for your guidance in my life because I don't want to be led astray. I don't want to choose the wrong things. I don't want to go down the right path. I want to be patient in my joy, knowing the hope you have for me. See, we're tying all this together. I want your guidance in my life. And maybe as, as this opens the door maybe to a prayer life you didn't know or uh, types of prayers that you just, you know, I never thought about it that way. Now you're at this stumbling block. Okay, what do, what do I say? Because uh, we talk about babbling. My problem is I don't have enough words. So I'm like, uh, God... Um, Thank you uh, for uh, today. Today, yes, thank you for today. And maybe we're just stumbling. So turn with me to Romans again, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 through 27. Romans 8, 24 through 27. I'm going to start in verse 24 because it's what we've already talked about, and I love how this picks back in if you've been with us the last few weeks. For in this hope we were saved, but what? Hope that is seen is no hope at all. We talked about that on week one. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it. Oh, what's the word? Patiently. Continuing on. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes with us with groans that words cannot express. That leaning of the Holy Spirit. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I started doing something a little bit ago and it's leading up to this concept. Instead of asking God less for more, ask God more for less. In other words, if you go to prayer time once a week, and you've got a laundry list of stuff, because you ain't talked to them all week long, so now you've got to make up for stuff, Right? I saw this video where, you know, this guy is playing Jesus and he's at this coffee shop and he's sitting at a table and then this guy comes in and he's got this yellow notepad and he's like, okay, blah, 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 and he goes on this list and I thank you for the Secretary of the State, the Attorney General, you know, prayer for, you know, Zimbabwe, um, for good grades on tests, for my broken car, and all. He just goes on this laundry list of stuff and it's right at the end, Jesus is getting ready to speak. He's like, um, look at the time. Uh, I gotta go. Thanks. Um, take care of it. See you next week. Bye. That's where the video ends. Jesus doesn't even get a word in, right? Maybe that's the type of prayer life you have. But instead of bundling it up, prayer is a conversation. It's supposed to go two ways. So instead of asking God less, less often, for more, I'd like to encourage you to ask Him more, more often, for less. That's what Jesus, the way he taught us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. Fruit? Man, don't worry about tomorrow. Next week, next month, next year, next decade. Don't worry about all that. God, just meet my needs. I don't need more. We live a life often, a prayer life especially, of more. And there's prosperity gospel and... And other preachers around the nation, around the world, that just say, you know, God wants you to be blessed. Yes, that's true. He doesn't want you to be greedy. When we moved down from Atlanta, my wife and I, this is, uh, what, about two years ago, and this is an area that I've grown, we felt God calling us home to Melbourne. And there were some things going on, obviously, with my my dad and his cancer we just found out about, and and just felt really God's pull to look here in Melbourne. So we prayed for a job here in Melbourne. I was not specific enough. I had two job possibilities at the same time here in Melbourne. Now I had a now I had a conundrum, right? Oh, junk. Shucks, which one? Which one do I take? Do I stay in the denomination downtown or do I step out in faith? Oh, it's easy for you guys to see, right? <laughs> When you're leaving what we left, taking some pay cuts and moving down, we didn't know we were going to live. Like there was a lot up in the air. Because I prayed the wrong prayer. I was not specific enough. So I said, God, I need job opportunities down in Melbourne. He's like, here you go. Like, now I have to choose. See, I didn't have that prayer of elimination, that asking God more for less. I'll give you an example. When our elders and I, we were looking for locations, this is when it started to shift gradually for me. And one day I, I woke up months ago and I'm like, ha da I don't know when that change happened, but I started doing this. I said, God, you know, we don't need 18 places to choose from. Take away the ability of me making a wrong choice. Really, I don't want it. I don't need 18 locations. We don't need multiple job possibilities. You don't need multiple outcomes for what you hope to be His will, right? So I started praying these, what I would call the, the prayers of elimination. Say, God, just eliminate all other possibilities but the location you want us to be in. I don't need 12 to choose from. We just need the one. And here we are. The people who used to rent this facility are the ones who moved into our old property about a stone's throw away. You guys know that? It's crazy. Fun little fact there. And that's that vacant, waiting for us from when they moved out to when we moved in. Sitting here, waiting. We didn't need 18 places, we just needed the one. When we hired Crystal, our new children's pastor down the hall who's doing a fantastic job, our elders, we got resumes, we, what is it, about 12 or 15 different resumes, and we narrowed that down to, to three, possibly four, depending on it. We said, we'd like to invite you along to our interview process. And I prayed this prayer. Say, God, just eliminate. Just eliminate. I don't want to have to choose. We don't want need, more, need more choices. Eliminate. Eliminate everything but the one you want us to choose. And so I started getting emails, some of them really bizarrely rude, but were like, hey, no, I'm no longer interested. Thanks. Bad punctuation, spelling, uncapitalization. Didn't even sign her name. I'm like, okay glad, right? We get, got emails and calls, yeah, I'm not going to be there. No, I'm not going to show up. And so we had what was going to be an afternoon of interviews ended up being one. That's it. And I felt the Holy Spirit guidance, and I told the elders this. I'm like, and, and our interview team at the time, I said, guys, you're going to meet her, and you're going to think the same way I do about her. This is it. We don't, we don't need another one. I'm seeing nodding heads from the people in that room. That's the only person we needed. And I'm praying this prayer Again now, as we continue to move forward, I invite you to pray that prayer with me. We don't need a hundred things to choose from. We need the one thing He wants us to do. We need to pursue the vision He has given us. Not 18 different thousand things, the one thing. Ending up in that final goal of where we want to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to know true life through Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. That's the one thing this boils down to. And so instead of asking God less for more, I I encourage you to join me in asking God more for less. Be thankful for what you have. Again, prayer is a conversation. It has to be two ways for it to be effective. So when you pray, take time to listen. A lot of us just cut it off and we end it. Yeah, okay, amen, bye. That was great. Imagine it's like a phone call. Hey, boop, 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 boop. Hey, Jesus, um, yeah? How are you doing? Okay, great, anyway. Um yeah, I need this and that and uh, okay, I got to go. Meal's about to be served. Bye. It's a very ineffective conversation, right? Prayer takes time. And again, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, a lot of us don't have time we want to give. Because it's not just the speaking. It's the listening. Sit on your porch. Go for a walk. Go down to the beach. Been, we're blessed to live in an area that's eight miles from a gorgeous coastline. Go sit at the beach or the two rivers that you have to cross to get there or Lake Washington where you can actually see the sunset that direction. Go somewhere and sit. Listen. Like Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And in your prayer, stop desiring your will but asking for His. And Listen. Don't say anything. Ask God a question. Don't give Him a desire. And wait. So if that's what prayer is, it's talking to God, it's, it's focusing on, on thanking God the Father, forgiveness through Jesus Christ the Son, and guidance of the Holy Spirit. If that's what prayer is, Jesus has already laid down the perfect outline for us there in the Scripture. What we have to do now is what? Be faithful in it. Not once a week, that's not faithful. Not once a month, that's not faithful. Daily is faithful. Hourly is faithful. You might just be in one of those days where it has to be minutely. Because a lot of decisions need to be made or are happening or cars are breaking or ACs are down and it's just really hot. Bills can't be paid. You don't know where your next meal is coming from. Co-workers are shifting at work and you're going to have to pick up some other responsibilities. Family issues are going on. Sickness is going on. There's a lot of things that need to be constantly decided upon, right? And if we're going to pray before every decision, guess what that means? It's a lot of prayer. That's constant prayer. And that's why it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. You can turn with me there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Simple verse. That's even broken out into its own. Be joyful. There it is from the first concept, right? The first part of that verse. Be joyful always then what pray continually it might say without ceasing and your version pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus so i'm going to invite you to pray with me and then if there's a prayer that you've never prayed before about knowing Jesus not just talking about Jesus but knowing Jesus I'm going to invite you to meet me down front and pray that prayer with me if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior that's why we're here that's what this is all about so I'll be down here in front if you want to pray that prayer with me but I'm going to invite you to pray with us together now you might have to turn there that's okay in either Luke chapter 11 what we read there in Matthew chapter 6. But our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us